Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Open your Bible to Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter number 5. We're going to get right after it today. If you're watching online, I just want to say thank you so much for watching New Heights Church Service. Many people watch live and then throughout the rest of the week, and it means the world to us that you do. If you're ever in the Bryan College Station area in Texas, we want to invite you out to one of our services live. I promise you at New Heights Church, we'll make you feel right at home in Jesus' name. Mark chapter number five, we're going to start there, but have you ever been in a place where you got exactly what you were expecting. So many times our expectation is the key in what we actually receive or in contrast, what we do not receive. So many times in our life, our expectation is what sets our receptive abilities. In other words, uh, many times when we go through life and, and it just seems like uh, we, we speak things into existence. Have you ever said anything like this? And don't repeat it if you have. But we say, if it wasn't for bad luck, I would have no luck at all. I always get the short end of the stick. I always get overlooked. I, I always get it. Listen, the Bible says that a ship is controlled with a very small rudder. The Bible says that a horse is told what to do by a very small piece of metal in its mouth. It says, so is our mouth or our words. The Bible says, what a great fire what we say will actually kindle. The power, somebody say power. The power of life and death is in your mouth for your life. The power of life and death in your life is not in my mouth. The power of life and death in my life is not in your mouth, but what you say dictates and sets the navigational direction for where your life is heading. So many times we receive precisely what we have been expecting. So my challenge today for all of us is to begin to expect God to do exactly what he said he would do. This week, our conference starts on Wednesday, October 10th. It's going to be so powerful. Seven o'clock for three nights in a row. We're going to all get together and celebrate what God is doing. But I want every person walking in the room with an overwhelmingly high expectation of what God is about to do. Can we give God a hand of praise? Because we know he's going to move in our life. Mark chapter five, verse number 21. Now, Jesus had just finished going and rescuing one person on the other side of the sea. As soon as he was done uh, rescuing this guy and delivering him of all of his afflictions, the Bible says the man went and became a missionary in 10 different cities and a great move of God broke out. So Jesus now comes back across the sea and the scripture says in verse 21, when Jesus was passed over again, 
by ship unto the other side, much people or many people gathered unto him, and he was near the sea. In other words, he was at the beach. Somebody say amen to that. Verse 22. And behold, there comes one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, when when, when Jairus saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. So, so picture this. Jesus comes across the boat, and when he comes across the boat, or comes across the sea in the boat, the Bible says he gets out, and he's, he's on land, so he's close to the water. And the Bible says many people came all around. So there was a crowd around Jesus, probably at a beach, uh, uh, and he's sitting there, and, or he's there, and there's a great crowd of people, and all of a sudden, one of the most important people in the city comes up to Jesus and in front of everybody falls on his face in front of Jesus. I am just astounded at how often the people that disregard what somebody else thinks about them actually receive from God. Many times we get in environments and we get in places and whether it's our own insecurities, our cultural upbringing, uh, maybe it's uh, some fear of being in front of people or maybe it's just concern of what is somebody thinking about me, what's somebody not thinking about me, stops us. I'm so amazed at how often things like that stop us from actually receiving from God. I remember when Crystal and I first got married, we were 22 years old. I finally said yes after she had begged me to marry her, praise the Lord. <laughs> Y'all know that's not right. But we, we got married and we moved down to Houston. We knew the Lord had told us to go down to Houston. And the Lord directed us to go to this wonderful church. They're still great friends of mine today. The pastor's still a great friend of mine. Uh, but we went to this wonderful church and, you know, we were 22. We were young and just... Had a lot of ambition and really a high drive to succeed uh, uh, in the body of Christ for God and then also just in business and the things we were doing. It was a a fun time uh, and and we were newlyweds, so that was fun. But we we would go to this church and the the median age, the, the average age was about 55 or 60 years old. And here's us, this 22-year-old, you know, super attractive couple. You know what I'm saying? So here's us, this, this young couple, praise the Lord. And, and we're there, and, and for like six months, I'll never forget this season of my life. For like six months, every time the preacher preached, I'm like, does this dude like follow me around? All he's saying is what's going on inside my heart all the time. And just as a side note, nobody's following you around. If you hear somebody proclaiming the good news of Christ, teaching and preaching, and it's striking you somewhere on the inside, that's not because the preacher has followed you around. That's because the Holy Spirit is still in the convicting business. Somebody say amen to that. So for like six months, every time he preached, I was like, man, he's talking to me. Oh, my goodness gracious. And then I'm like, Crystal, he's talking to you. Praise the Lord. Every time I'm like, man, he's talking to me. And, and 
and occasionally, and like we do here, we would have altar calls at the church. And that would be, if you're new to church, that would be like, hey, you know, the, the minister would mention, hey, if you're believing God to be set free in a certain area, come up here and let's pray together, you know. And so everybody comes to the front. We just believe God, you know, that thing would come off of us and, and we'd be able to pursue God better or, 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 or whatever the altar call was for. But literally, like literally every altar call, I'm like, that's for me. I'm coming up there. Oh. And then about four or five services in a row when I answered, not, not to get saved, not to get born again, just, man, I felt like God was dealing with me about a lot of things. And, and about four or five services in a row, I started thinking, man, what are these people going to think about me? I'm answering every altar call that he gives. I'm not happy about it, but I'm crying like a river. Every time, oh my God, it's like, it's like if, if you believe God that he's going to give you a better Tuesday, come up here to this altar and go, that's me, Lord, Tuesday. That's my hardest day of the week. Martez is difficile. Oh my goodness gracious. It's just, it was, it was a very unique time. So four or five services in, I'm like, man, what are these people going to think? And, and can I just say this? They probably didn't think a doggone thing. Nobody's watching you near like you think they are. Everybody has what they call their own life, praise God. And if you're so enthralled in somebody else's life, you should pay more attention to your own life, praise Jesus. But I remember thinking, I, I thought, I, I, was, I was like in the valley of decision. Have you ever been in the valley of decision? I'm in my chair. I'm not going to hell if I don't walk up there. Matter of fact, God's still with me whether I walk up there or not. But I'm in the valley of decision. I'm sitting there going, man, I, I don't want these people to think that I'm like a first-rate sinner. You know what I'm saying? Oh, here comes the heathen again. Praise the Lord. Y'all pray for Crystal. She married a wildcat, you know. And I'm like, oh, man. And we're, we're pursuing God. We're doing everything we know. And I, I said, you know, I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I don't really care what these people think or don't think. If God's pouring something out, I want to receive it. You see, that's what happened with Jairus. He sees the crowd. He's a very important person. He's a very important person, in, especially in the religion of the day. Very important. But he disregards all of that. And he says, if Jesus is the one that can make a difference, Jesus is the one I will pursue. Can we give God a hand of praise because we're going to pursue Jesus? The Bible says he comes and he fell, on, fell at his feet. The Bible says he besought him, verse 23, besought him or he asked him urgently saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray you come and lay your hands on her that she might be healed. Somebody say healed. That she might be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with him and many people followed him and thronged on him or, or pressed upon him. So Jairus comes and falls at Jesus' feet at the beach in front of everybody, disregarding everything that people may or may not think about him. And said, Jesus, my little girl is sick and I need you to come and heal her. And Jesus said, I will certainly come. And at that moment, Jesus begins to go with Jairus. Jairus is probably leading the way, going with Jairus towards Jairus' house. And all these people are there. And in that day and age, it would be like driving in heavy traffic. 
for us now. Specifically, if you're in Bryan College Station, it would be like driving down University Drive at 6 o'clock on a game day. You see what I'm saying? It would be like meeting Jesus at Kyle Field at 6 o'clock on a game day, and you need him to come to your house in East Bryan, and the only route is University Drive, and you're sitting there, and you're in front of Jesus, and it's bumper to bumper. You're like, honk, honk, my daughter is sick. I'm trying to get Jesus to my house, and everybody's just pulling on Jesus, and Jesus is stuck in traffic, and everybody else is driving a car, and Jesus is probably riding a donkey like this, praise the Lord, and there's palm branches on the street like this, and everybody's sitting there, and you're like, I want to starve bucks, but Jesus is on a donkey. I don't know what to do. I'm in traffic. <laughs> Something like that anyway. <laughs> they were pressing upon him. Can I just say it differently? Undoubtedly, he wasn't making it to Jairus' house at the pace Jairus would prefer. Have you ever had to wait on God for something? When it wasn't happening as quickly as you would like. This is Jairus. He's making his way home. Knowing the answer is on the way. Can we say that together? The answer is on the way. Jesus is on the way. But the delay is overwhelming. The Bible says that they thronged about him. Or they pressed around him. And all of a sudden... Bible says, verse 25, a certain woman. Somebody say certain. Certain. Don't ever forget this. It doesn't take everybody. Your neighbor doesn't have to go with you for you to receive. Your friends and family don't have to go with you for you to receive. Your friends and family don't have to experience everything you can experience in God. You can make a decision right now that I don't care if anybody else gets it in the room and if God can use a donkey, he can certainly use Pastor Brian. (laughs) Wasn't supposed to be that funny. (laughs) A certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Somebody say 12. We're going to get back to this, but 12 in your Bible always denotes government. It it always denotes order. Somebody say order. Order. God is a God of order. He's a God of government. Jesus said the government would be, the scripture said the government would be on Jesus' shoulders. You remember? Government is very important to God in the order of which things happen. And this lady for 12 years had been battling this condition. The Bible said she suffered many things of of physicians, doctors, And it spent everything that she had and nothing better, but rather grew worse. She went to the doctor and she had to go, she had to endure several different types of treatments that were all, some of them were very painful, but nothing worked. I love the Bible for a lot of reasons, but one of them is even here, it doesn't ridicule her for going to the doctor. Medicine is a blessing from God. Somebody say amen. Amen. Doctors, nurses, the medical profession, thank you for what you do. Did you know the medical profession, it's, it's, it's one of the only professions in the world where you actually have to take an oath to try to help people get better? In other words, this woman, the Bible says this, that she spent everything that she had and she wasn't any better. Your Bible says in the book of Ephesians, having done all you can do, now stand. 
Many of us haven't done everything we can do, yet we're standing and God's going, as soon as you'll do everything you can do, you will see me do everything I can do. This woman had done everything she could do, but was nothing better. And the Bible says she spent everything she had, and it was 12 years. Somebody say 12. 12 is always the number of order. It's always the number of government. And in other words, what happened for 12 years, this condition governed her life. Many of us are carrying things around that have been governing our life for too long. Many of us are carrying thoughts around that have been governing our life for too long. Many of us are carrying guilt around that has been governing our life for too long. And I decree and I declare today is the day when the governor that sits upon the throne is about to take those issues off of your shoulders, place them on his unfailing shoulders, and you will be set free today. For 12 years... She was governed by her condition. She could go nowhere without worrying about what would happen or what wouldn't happen. She had to plan everything because this condition totally dominated her life. Verse 27, when she heard of Jesus, somebody say heard. The only way she could have heard is somebody had to say something about him. Nobody's going to hear about Jesus unless we open our mouth and tell them. Nobody's going to hear about Jesus unless we choose to invite somebody to church. Nobody's going to hear about Jesus until we stop deciding that evangelism is what somebody else is supposed to do. And each one of us understand that evangelism is not optional in the body of Christ. Evangelism is one of the foundational principles that Jesus established. And all you have to do is tell somebody what Jesus did for you. The Bible says that she heard of Jesus. And she came in the press behind him and she touched. Somebody say touched. Touched the, the well, one translation says, the hem of his garment. One translation says, the, just the edge, the very edge of his garment. In other words, there were people shoulder to shoulder clamoring around Jesus. She probably didn't get four feet from him. She probably didn't get three feet from him. She probably just reached between shoulder blades of people that were pressing and trying to get to Jesus and trying to get there because they wanted to see would Jesus do what Jesus said he would do. They wanted to know, will he heal Jairus' daughter? Because if it happens, I want to see it. The Bible says, blessed are those that believe when they have not seen. Somebody say amen. Amen. They're all there for the sideshow, the spectacle of what might happen. But there's one person, a certain person. Remember, it doesn't take everybody. There's a certain person believing that if she can just touch the very edge of his garment, there's enough power in the stitches on the seams of the coat that Jesus is wearing to set me free of the infirmity that has held me for 12 years. She said, if I can just touch just the hem of his garment. Verse 28, I may touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. Let me just point this out for just a second. This is what we would call, and I don't like to be put in any box, praise the Lord, but we would certainly be called a spirit-filled church. We would certainly be called a charismatic church. We would certainly be called an evangelical church. 
Uh, but if you've been in this kind of environment before, I want to talk to you for just a second. And if you have not, uh, see what's going on on your phone for a second because I want to talk to, talk to some people. But here's the thing. If you've ever been in this environment, then you know the Spirit of God can move in many different ways. The Spirit of God can speak to you in many different ways. But this woman decided long before she got to Jesus, he doesn't have to stop his sermon, call me by name, walk me to the front, name all of my children prophetically for me to be able to receive from God. Matter of fact, he doesn't even have to stop the direction he's going because I'm going to reach out my own self and I'm going to tug on the anointing on his life and I'm going to receive no matter what anybody else receives, I'm going to receive what God has for me. You don't have, I love it when it happens. I thank God for all the gifts of the Spirit. But you don't have to have somebody call you by name. You know what? It's more blessed, the Bible said, to give than it is to receive. And this lady was trying to put her faith into action as opposed to try to make sure everybody else recognized how faithful she was. You come to the house of God, you say, I don't know if anybody else is going to get it. I don't know if the people on my row is going to get it. I don't know if everybody around me is going to get it. But I'm going to find a way to press through the crowd. And I'm going to touch the hem of his very garment. And I will receive everything that God has for me in Jesus' name. Somebody give God one more big mighty hand. Thank you, Lord. She said, she said to herself, she said, if I can just touch his garment, I'll be made whole. Verse 29, straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body. Somebody say felt. She felt in her body that she was healed of her plague. She was healed of the plague. And the Bible says Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned around in the press or in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Number one, Jesus never asks you a question He does not know the answer to. The reason he will ask you a question, the reason he will ask you a question is to see, will you be honest in the answer? Here's why. Anything you will give him, he will fix. And everything you keep is up to you. Maybe you've been battling something your whole life, a mindset. Maybe you grew up in an abusive household and you've been battling all those thoughts and all those different things. If you keep those from him, he cannot help. But if you will, the Bible says, and Peter said this, and Peter knew Jesus very well. He said, if you will cast your cares upon him, he cares for you. You see, Jesus doesn't ask us something he doesn't know the answer to. He wants to know, will we answer truthfully? The Bible says he turned around, and he turned around because he felt virtue come out of him. That word virtue in the original language is the word dunamis or dynamis. It's the same word we get the word dynamite from. In other words, Jesus is walking with the crowd. He's headed to go uh, uh, heal Jairus. He's he's just about uh, uh, past 
uh, uh, Texas Avenue. He's almost on the other side. He's getting there. And then all of a sudden, he feels dynamite power go through his coat and into somebody. And he stops and he said, who touched me? The disciples look and said, how can you ask who touched you? There's a great crowd of people. And Jesus said, I'm not talking about just touching. Somebody just pulled on heaven. Somebody received something while I'm walking through here. Who touched me? This power came out of me. Identify yourself. Who was it that put such a pull on the anointing and put such a pull on this gift that all of a sudden power sparked in their life? Who was it? And the Bible says he looked around to see who had done the thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell before him and told him all the truth. She was fearing and trembling because she didn't know, Jesus, are you religious? or are you not because if you're religious I'm in trouble because number one he's a rabbi and you don't just go touching a rabbi in those days number two she's a woman so they weren't supposed to just go touching people according to those days number three she had an issue of blood which means by mosaic law she would have been declared unclean and if you went touching people knowing you were unclean they would kill you Who would kill you? The world? No, the world didn't care. The world would probably give you a place to stay. The religious folk would. I'm talking about these folk right here. I'm talking about the feet, the the folk over here. What what is this? This is my high horse. This is where my high horse is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is my high horse. We look down on everybody. We look right down the edge of our nose. Oh, I thank God I'm not like them. Oh, I thank God I hadn't done that. Oh, I thank God this. I thank God. She's trying to figure out, is he religious or is he really what they say? Is this my redeemer? Is this my savior? I felt the power, but is he about to condemn me like everybody else would? And Jesus looked at her as she fell on her face. She fell on her face. And he said to her, daughter, thy faith or your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of the plague. Somebody say your faith. Your faith plays such a powerful role in what you will receive. And I fear that few people ever put it in practice. Because at the end of it all, faith is you expecting God to do what he said he would do. This woman went through the crowd and expected Jesus to do what only Jesus could do. When you come back on Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night, don't walk in here like you're walking into Arby's or Target. Don't walk in here like you're walking into Chick-fil-A. No, that might work, actually. (laughs) Christian chicken, you know what I'm saying? My pleasure. Don't walk in here like you're just walking into the library. Come in this place with an expectation 
He says, I don't know if everybody else is going to receive it. I don't know if he's going to stop and come to my house like he's going to Jairus' house. I don't know if he's going to call my name. I don't know if he's going to point at me. I don't know. But what I do know is if I have to crawl, if I have to press, if I have to figure out, figure out a way to get through the crowd metaphorically, I will find a way to touch the very edge of his garment and I will receive exactly what God has for me in the name of Jesus Christ. You begin to place a demand on the atmosphere. You begin to place a demand on the man or woman of God that's teaching or preaching at that given moment. They all say the same thing when they come here. All of them. They come to our church. Oh, Pastor Brian, thanks for inviting me. We go in. All of a sudden, uh, uh, New Heights, we worship. And all of a sudden, they get up there. They get done preaching. They all say the same thing. They go back to my office after service. We wipe the sweat off our face. And they say the same thing. They say, your church is amazing to preach in. I say, I know. (laughs) He said, the people are just pulling on me the whole time. I said, I know. I said, they love the word of God. They receive the word of God. They do the word of God because your faith has a lot of involvement in what you are going to receive or not receive. You don't come in here acting like it's just another day. You walk in here saying, I'm about to get filled up with the things of God, with the word of God. You walk out those doors and you say, devil, where are you? I'm loaded for bear again. It's a shift that happens because you begin to expect God to do what he said he would do. Now, it's not everybody. Don't look around. But it's not everybody. And I know it. I know when I'm being pulled on. And I know when somebody's sitting in the back going, I don't know. It doesn't have to be the back. Don't look at the back. Praise the Lord. But I can, I can tell when somebody goes, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I hear it, but I'm not going to do it. You can't just be a hearer of the word of God. You must be a doer also. If you're going to receive from God what God has in store for you, you've got to make the decision. I'm not just going to hear about this stuff. I'm going to myself reach out. And he doesn't even have to change the course of his message. I'm about to pull something good out of this, out of this sermon. He doesn't even have to, he doesn't even have to know he's going to do it. I always, when I'm walking around town or whatever and I see people and they, a lot of times they say nice things. They're like, they're like Pastor Brian, your hair is amazing. I'm like, yeah, praise the Lord, Sean Day Ronde. But they'll say things like this in all seriousness. Pastor Brian, that message Sunday morning was, was for me. Praise God. It was for me. I said, oh, man. So, and they'll say, when you said this, and I'm thinking like, you know, the four points that I prayed about for, you know, four days in a row. I think that's what they're going to say. And then they'll say something that, like, I forgot I even said. Wasn't in my notes. I said, when you told that story about what God did in this situation. You don't understand, I'm in the exact situation. And it encouraged me because I know that if God will do it for you, he'll do it for me. Amen. And I'm sitting there going, I didn't even put that in my notes. We, I'm sitting here. I didn't, I didn't even have to change the direction. Somebody was just pulling power out of the situation you see you play a part you play a part a major part in what you are going to receive or not receive from God everybody say 12 12 12 is very important God is a God of order 
12 always re represents order. 12 always represents government in the Bible. There were 12 disciples. It's the first thing Jesus established. Whenever he began to walk around, there were 12 tribes of Israel. Look at the face of your clock. Generally speaking, there's 12 hours on it. There's 12 months in a year, 12 inches in a foot. That's what we measure things by. The new Jerusalem is going to have 12 gates. It will have 12 columns or pillars. It will be 12,000 furlongs when measured. God is a God of order. Somebody say order. For 12 years, this lady's condition governed her life. Ordered her around. I decree and declare, you're crossing over into a season where you will begin to order your conditions around. So many times, what God has for us is right there. The question is, can we reach out and pull while everybody else is watching the sideshow? Can we reach out and pull while everybody else is wondering, what will somebody think about me? Can we respond to who he is? You know... I talk about the presence of God a lot. And God, all-powerful, is also omnipresent, which means He's everywhere. But His tangible presence is a different thing. It's the sight of God that lets us know He cares about relationship with us. Because he doesn't have to make his, his presence known to us. He chooses to do that because he loves us. But here's the situation. When somebody walks in the room and you ignore them, sooner or later they will leave and stop coming in the room. It's no different, and I sense him now. It's no different with the presence of God. When you sense Him, there should be a response. What kind of a response? I'm not trying to dictate that for you. Depends on where you are. Depends on the nature of the environment you're in. Depends on all these different things. Remember, God's a God of order. He's not asking you to make everybody think you're nuts all the time. They already think that. Stop looking at your husband. <laughs> you heard the preacher. You are nuts. But when he comes in the room, oh, I sense him now. When he comes in the room, there should be a response. There should be a response to who he is. I've only experienced that a couple of times. Maybe you've only experienced it in church. Let me give you some secrets. He inhabits the praises of his people. Everybody close your eyes for just a second. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.